Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for watching. So London's um, mayor is dealing with a, a, a pretty big problem. They have this wave of violence in the city. Its murder rate has now topped New York City's. And this is in spite of the fact, or maybe partly because of the fact, that they have uh, banned guns in the city. Some of the strictest gun laws in the entire world, yet the murder rate is spiking and there's all this violent crime. You took away the guns and now people are just running around stabbing each other left and right, apparently. Um, so Mayor Khan, uh, the mayor of, of London, you know, he got his brain trust together and they were talking about it. And they said, what can we do about this? We took away the guns. Now people are just stabbing each other. What do we do about all the stabbings? And then someone said, I don't know who, but somebody said, oh, I've got it. Listen to this brilliant plan. What we do is we ban the knives. Let's just, and everyone else said, oh, why didn't I think of that? Perfect. Yeah, we just get, let's just keep getting rid of objects until there are no objects left. Um, so Mayor Khan sent out a tweet a few days ago where he said, no excuses. There is never a reason to carry a knife. Never a reason. Ne he can't think of a single reason. Um, Mayor Khan has never been to an Outback Steakhouse. He's never been to any other restaurant at all. Um, he's never been in a kitchen. Okay, he, he can't think of a reason why anyone would ever use a knife. Um, now, I'm a member of the, the knife-carrying community, I admit. Um, and here's the, here's the crazy thing. I can think of, it, it, I come across probably dozens of different uses in a day for this knife. And none of them involve killing anybody. It's just that ne I've never killed anyone with this knife, even though I've carried it around. Instead, I just do other things with it. By the way, I'm, I'm going to swing this knife around the, for the rest of the video, um, which actually I probably shouldn't do that because someone will call the cops. They'll see me. They'll see a guy in his car swinging a knife around and yelling to himself and they'll call the police. So I won't do that. But, um, I find many uses for the knife that don't involve killing people. In fact, I would probably argue that almost every human adult in the world uses a knife for non-murdering activities on a relatively frequent basis. A knife is one of the most basic tools that mankind has had at its disposal for thousands of years. So if we're going to start going after knives, then, uh, well, then it's, then pretty much it's, it's game on. And that's where, I mean, we can have a lot of fun with this and try to mock and parody, but it's hard to do. It's, it, it's, all, it's, it's the, the gun grabbing on the left has now transcended parody. I mean, I wrote something yesterday. I wrote a piece yesterday where I was listing, okay, here are seven other items that um, London will have to ban next after it gets rid of the guns and the knives. And just obvious things, like, for instance, other kitchen utensils, forks. I mean, you have no idea how, and I did some research into this, okay? I took this seriously. I really did some research, and I discovered that fork violence is an epidemic across the West. There are so many cases of people using forks to stab people, um, chairs, Chair violence is a, a huge problem in our schools, also a big problem among uh, WWE wrestlers. It's just people are using chairs all the time to hit each other. Uh, rocks, obviously, people die from rocks being thrown at them, rocks falling on them. They die in rock climbing accidents. They die at rock concerts. Uh, a rock killed all the dinosaurs. I mean, rocks are, you could argue that the rock is the most deadly object 
in, in history. And so we're going to have to start digging up all the rocks from under the earth and, and take all the rocks from on top of the earth and g- get rid of them. Hands. I mean, the, this is the most easily the deadliest, most objectionable weapon in the world, even more so than the rock, is the human hand. Hands kill, uh, at least in America, hands kill more people every year than rifles or shotguns. And not to mention the fact that the hand is involved in every act of violence, even when you're using a gun. So now I'm not proposing that we actually confiscate all the hands. That would be ridiculous. What I'm saying is you get your hands registered ahead of time. You go through a licensing process. There are certain you know, state-sanctioned activities that you can use your hands for. If you use your hand in a non-sanctioned activity, then you get your hands confiscated temporarily until you take a few classes. We could even call it hands-on classes or something like that. We could work with that. But and you can take, take some classes, and then you get your hands back for a probationary period. I mean, these are j- just some ideas, okay? Um, but we could get into all that, trying to highlight the absurdity of this. What I'd really like to do instead is to try to understand where this comes from. Why do some people put this incredible emphasis on objects Why do they set out to fight violence and evil by banning the objects that are sometimes used in those acts of violence and evil? Why can't they see what you and I see, which is that once you start down this road, you really do have to get rid of all objects on earth because anything can be used in in an act of violence. Um, But why do some people struggle with this? Why do they infuse all of this moral significance into an object? And I think the answer is very simple. There are a few answers, but I think the primary thing is a misunderstanding of human nature. And this is really what, what, what lies at the, at the root. This is the source of many of our debates in this culture. It's that the left does not understand human nature. It doesn't understand how human beings work which is kind of fascinating because they are human beings themselves. So all they have to do is look within themselves and they should be able to answer a lot of their questions. But they don't for whatever reason. They don't don't have a lot of introspection. So it's kind of ironic, or it seems ironic anyway, that those who understand that human beings are corrupted, prone to evil, often can't be trusted, you know, the people in that camp, they're the ones who are saying, no, don't take our guns away. They're, they're the ones who are pro-gun rights, while the ones who believe that human beings are not a fallen race and are not corrupted and are kind of these blank slates, morally speaking, they're the ones who are saying, you got to keep us away from guns. You would think it would be the, the, the opposite, but it isn't because those of us who understand human nature understand two things. Number one, uh, very simply, we know that we have to have a means to protect ourselves from our fellow fallen man. We have a healthy suspicion of other people because we know how people are and how they've always been and always will be until the end of time. We know that because we can see other people. We've read history. We know how people are. We also have a healthy suspicion of the state because the state is comprised not of these benevolent gods, but of people, of fallible fallen people. So we have, and now we've put them in positions of power and control. So that makes us even more suspicious of them. Uh, We don't hate people, we just understand them, and so we wish to equip ourselves accordingly. 
But the second thing, this is the more important thing. We know that fallen men will always be prone to hurt each other. A man, I think even more so, a man who wants to do harm to another person will do it, or at least attempt it. There's not a lot you can do. This is human nature. The reason why the vast majority of people on earth have never committed a murder, have never raped, have never done some hideously violent thing. You know what the reason is? Why haven't most people done that? It's not because of the law. It's not because of regulations. It's not because they didn't have access to this or that tool. It's because they never wanted to. The vast majority of people have never used a gun to kill anybody. It's not because they couldn't get their hands on a gun. It's because they just never, it, they have no interest in killing anyone. They, it's just not something that ever comes up. They, have, they, have, they don't even have any temptation in that regard. So it's not even that they have a moral objection to it. They, they have a moral objection to it as well. But the primary reason why they haven't killed anyone, it's that they just, it's never even comes up. They don't want to. They are stopped, not by the law. They are stopped by the fact that they are not so depraved as to desire to kill another person. But here's where the problem comes in. When you've got a man who has descended into that state, when he's gotten to the point where he really wants to kill somebody. Now, just imagine being in this state psychologically and spiritually. And I know people will joke around and say, oh, I want to kill that guy. Um, I'm going to kill you. I'm talking about actually being in a state of mind where you really, literally want to end somebody's life. That's a very dark place to be in. Once you get there, it seems like it's not a far leap to go from there to, I don't care about the repercussions. In fact, with these mass killers and serial killers, the repercussions, that's part of the appeal. They want to die. They want their life to be over. Um, or they want to go to jail. They want attention. And so there's no, there's no disincentive there at all. So once you get to that point, once you get to the point where you want to kill somebody, you don't care about the punishment after the fact, or in fact, you want the punishment, then there's just the law really, there's, there's almost nothing the law can do at that point with somebody like that. That is just a dangerous person who's a ticking time bomb is going to, and is going to explode. The only way the law can really do anything preemptively is if the person announces ahead of time that, Hey, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill somebody. But what we found is that even when they do that, which is basically what the what the uh, the guy in Florida did. Even then, the law seems impotent. The law seems unable to do anything, even when they have an opportunity. But most people who are violent, they never make that announcement ahead of time. They just do it one day. So that's the fact. No matter what you do, you, you could take away my knife, you could take away my gun. But if I decided that I'm going to kill somebody today, I could do it. I can get out of the car right now and do it. In fact, I don't have to get out of the car. I could use the car. It'd be very easy to do. Anyone can. The only thing that stops me or the primary thing that stops me is that I have, I just, I'm no desire to do that whatsoever. I'm not a murderous person, but there are people who are murderous. What do we do about them? That's the question. That's the way we have to frame this discussion. We have to acknowledge that there are violent um, people out, out there with a very dark evil in their souls and a very dark desire. 
what do we do about those people? The gun control side says, well, we got to stave them off with the law. That's what we do. We, uh, you know, that, that's the, the fortress that we've set up around ourselves is the law. And maybe after a while, we can even change them with the law. And uh, if we become a gun-free society, they're going to become less violent because there are, le- there are fewer violent objects around. And so they're not going to be influenced in that direction and they'll become better people. And so we have the law and that's what we're going to do. The Second Amendment side says, well, the law is ineffective once we get to this point. Once a guy has crossed this threshold within himself, psychologically and spiritually, once he's gotten to the point where he really wants to kill somebody and he doesn't care about the repercussions, that's the threshold. Once he's crossed it, there's nothing the law can do. I can't, you know, I walk down the street, I pass by people. You go somewhere in public, you go to a movie theater, you send your kids to school. You can never know whether, whether or not somebody that you're passing by on the street is a person who has crossed that threshold. There's no way of knowing. So, I don't want to be reliant on the law to stop them because the law can't follow me around. The law itself is not a physical barrier protecting me. And I can't have cops following me around every second of the day. Unless you're a celebrity or a fam- or a politician, then you're not blessed enough to have an armed security detail. But even just think about that for a minute. Think about uh, the president of the United States has this whole small army of people who are dedicated to keeping him alive And why is that? It's because the president of the United States, no matter who the president is, it's because of his office that the president of the United States is somebody who many other people in the world want to kill. Every second that the president is alive, there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of people in the world who are actively plotting his demise. And if they ever got the opportunity, would absolutely kill him. So think about the effort even though it's definitely illegal to kill the president, so we've got all the laws in place, but even in spite of that, still, there is this incredible effort required just to keep this one guy alive. You got to have this, he has this whole small army that surround him, and then anytime he goes somewhere in public, the, the army has to go there ahead of time and sweep the area and set up security details and everything else. It's just an enormous round-the-clock, 24-7 a never sleeping effort to keep this man alive, which just shows you how necessary it is to have a means to protect ourselves. The, the only, you, you want to know why you and I are still alive? For most of us, the only reason why, we're, why you and I are still alive is because nobody has ever wanted really to kill us. But if anyone ever made up their minds and said, I want to kill that guy, and if they ever said that about you, then you're in trouble. That's why. And certainly the law is not going to be able to do anything for you. The moment you come face to face with that guy who wants to kill you, the law just melts away and it's gone. It might as well it might as well not even exist. And you have to have the means to protect yourself and your children. The left does not understand the fallen nature of man, does not understand how evil functions, doesn't even understand that evil exists in the first place. And so it has this, uh, this abiding faith in the state's ability to change human behavior, and to cure what ills man deep down in his heart. So they think it's as simple as the state banning weapons and, 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 and setting up gun-free zones and maybe putting out some PSAs where they say, tsk, 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 don't shoot people now. Okay, don't do that. It's bad. And that will be enough in their minds to sway, to control the collective 
which is comprised of these individuals who are not, you know, inherently corrupted, but are these blank slates who just are waiting around to be herded or, or sent in one direction or another. The intrinsic corruption in the mind of a leftist, the intrinsic corruption is in the object, not the person. And so the object, a gun in the mind of a leftist is kind of like the ring in Lord of the Rings, and it will do to a person what the ring did to Gollum. You take an innocent person, you put this object in their hands, and it starts to change them. But obviously, it's not actually that simple. So here is what can be done. Aside from giving us the tools to protect ourselves, because the law can do very little, but I agree that, preferably, we don't even want to get to that point. It would be nice if there was something preemptively we could do so that a guy doesn't even get to the point where he wants to kill another person. And the only thing that'll stop him from killing me is if I can shoot him first. I'd prefer if it never got to that point. So what can we do aside from arming ourselves to defend ourselves and our family? I think after we've done that, if we really want to cut down on violence, then we have to cut down on the inclination towards violence, which means we have to give people a proper moral formation. Okay, the proper moral formation of the individual. The inclination to violence is a problem of moral and spiritual formation or deformation. We need to be morally formed, which starts in the family, especially with the fathers, who often are not in the picture when it comes to violent people, and also the church. You know, the problem, the real problem, is that we live in a disordered, depraved, degenerate, empty culture, and people are born into it, and they're born into these broken homes, and they go out looking for moral formation. All they find is moral mutation, and they end up with disordered desires, degenerate desires, and they have no reason not to go out and try to fulfill those desires. So I'll tell you what the state can really do. It can realize that the institutions in the culture who should primarily be in charge of moral formation are the family and the church. And so the state can offer proper support to the family, and with the church, it can just stay out of the way This is what religious liberty is all about. Stay out of the way and let the church do what the church does or is supposed to do. That's what we should be relying on those two institutions. If you really want to cut down on violence, that's where you have to turn. Not to the government, not to the law. I think that's a pretty great combination when it comes, and it it won't be perfect, but when it comes to combating violence and the combating evil generally, give individuals the ability to protect themselves, strong families, strong churches. I'm telling you, if you have that going for you, if you have those three things going for you, you're going to be in the safest possible human society. It will not be utopian. It won't be perfect, but it will be the safest and uh, most ordered society possible. But unfortunately, the left is kind of trying to do the opposite of that. They want to have it both ways. They want to destroy the church, break down the family, the two institutions that are in charge of moral formation. Um, are most in charge of it, and then they act with sh- they react with shock and horror when they see all of these sociopaths and killers and evil people in our midst. But it goes back to a misunderstanding of human nature. All right, that's it for me today, guys. Thanks for watching, and um, have a great day.